0: Stanford University. Before you examine a patient, it is essential that you know the surface anatomy of the area. Now, the buttock region, we have to first of all examine the iliac crests. And you can palpate in front here, the anterior superior iliac spine, and you can palpate quite easily the iliac crests as they lie under the skin on each side. As we follow the iliac crests backwards, we can feel the posterior superior iliac spines on either side. You can usually recognize this area by the presence of dimples in the skin. So if we've marked this in position, we have the anterior superior iliac spine in front, and extend the iliac crest backwards, and do the same on the other side. And then we show the posterior superior Iliac spine here, where is the dimple? Now it's important to realize that the posterior superior iliac spine lies opposite the second sacral spine, this process. And this coincides with the middle of the sacroiliac joint and also coincides with the lower end of the subarachnoid space. Now if we feel forward along the iliac crest, we can feel the iliac tuberosity, about two inches posterior from the anterior superior iliac spine. The iliac tuberosity. If we palpate down in this region here, we can feel the upper end of the greater trochanter. And I'm just going to put a mark there to signify the position of the upper end of the greater trochanter of the femur. And I'll do the same on the other side. Now, if we pulpate the buttock itself, we come down to the lower end and we can feel the ischial tuberosity. The ischial tuberosity, when the person's in the standing position, is covered by the gluteus maximus. But by deep pulpation, we can feel the ischial tuberosity on each side. And I'll just indicate its position here and here. Now, if we draw a line down from the anterior superior spine, backwards down to the ischial tuberosity, we can feel that the greater trochanter of the femur lies below that line, or at least on the line. It certainly never rises above that line in the normal individual. And we'll do the same on the other side, extend it backwards in that manner. Now, the fold of the buttock here is largely produced by the underlying subcutaneous tissue with its fat, and deep to that is the gluteus maximus. And the lower margin of the buttock here and here is limited by a fold which is due to the tethering of the skin to the underlying deep fascia. This fold does not coincide with the lower margin of the gluteus maximus. one of the most important structures in this region is the sciatic nerve. Now the sciatic nerve passes out of the greater sciatic foramen midway between the posterior superior iliac spine, which you've already marked there, and the ischial tuberosity. I'll just indicate its position there. The sciatic nerve then curves downwards and laterally in the gluteal region, and the lower surface marking here is midway between the upper margin of the greater trochanter and the ischial tuberosity. So we can indicate the position of the sciatic nerve as it passes down in this curved line, in this sort of manner. It is very important indeed to realize the position of that sciatic nerve relative to the buttock because this is a common area to give intramuscular injections. Since the sciatic nerve is lying just deep to the gluteus maximus in this region, an injection, an intramuscular injection in this area may well damage the sciatic nerve. So that an intramuscular injection should be given in the upper lateral quadrant of the buttock, that is, up in this region where the injection may go either into the upper part of the gluteus maximus or into the gluteus medius. It should never be given over the sciatic nerve. If the sciatic nerve should be damaged by intramuscular injection, the most common part of it to be damaged is the common perineal component. Ninety percent of those cases that have a damaged sciatic nerve, they have damage of the common perineal nerve. And this results in loss of sensation below the knee except for the area along the medial side of the leg supplied by the saphenous nerve, and of course paralysis of the muscles uh, acting on the ankle joint. So this is the site to give the injection, uh, an intramuscular injection in the buttock, in the upper lateral quadrant of the buttock. While we're examining this patient, I think it's important to realize that the lymphatic drainage of the skin of this area. The lymphatic drainage passes round to the front to the superficial inguinal group of lymph nodes. Round the front to the superficial inguinal lymph nodes. Above the level of the iliac crest, the lymphatic drainage from the skin is upwards into the axillary lymph nodes on either side. So, above to the axillary nodes and below the level of the iliac crest, downwards and round to the front, to the superficial inguinal nodes. When we come to examine the front of the thigh, uh, there are some important bony landmarks that we must recognize. For example, as we come forward around the iliac crest, we end in front here at the anterior superior iliac spine. This is the most anterior part of the iliac crest. And the same, of course, applies to the other side, and we can see the iliac crest there, ending at the anterior super iliac spine. Now, down below and medially, we have the pubic tubercle. And the best way to feel the pubic tubercle in the male is to invert the scrotum with a little finger, and feel the pubic tubercle up just at the medial end, rather the lateral end of the pubic crest. Extending between the anterior superior iliac spine and the pubic tubercle, we have the inguinal ligament. Now, the inguinal ligament is the lower, thickened margin of the aponeurosis of the external oblique muscle. Now, having marked in, then, the anterior superior iliac spine, having felt the pubic tubercle, and having put in the inguinal ligament, the next important uh, structure that we must recognize is the femoral artery. Now the femoral artery is a continuation of the external iliac artery as it passes under the inguinal ligament. And it's best felt midway between the anterior superior iliac spine and the symphysis pubis, the mid-inguinal points. Midway between the anterior superior iliac spine and the symphysis pubis. And if we palpate here, yes, you can feel the femoral artery coming down here, uh, lying underneath the inguinal ligament and passing down in that manner. Now the next surface marking for the femoral artery is the adductor tubercle down on the medial side of the knee. So we join these two points up like this and extend it down to the medial side. The femoral artery a continuation of the external iliac artery at the inguinal ligament. And it is best felt midway between the anterior superior iliac spine and the symphysis pubis. It must be remembered that as it's passing under the inguinal ligament it has the femoral vein on its medial side and medial to that again is the femoral canal. Now the femoral nerve Passes down under the inguinal ligament at the midpoint between the anterior superior iliac spine and the pubic tubercle. In other words, lateral to the femoral artery. The femoral nerve, midway between the anterior superior iliac spine and the pubic tubercle. Remember, the femoral artery is midway between the anterior superior iliac spine and the symphysis pubis. Now the femoral artery and vein, and femoral canal, are within the femoral sheath. The femoral nerve is outside the femoral sheath. Now if we examine the thigh, we can see this swelling coming down here, which of course is the quadriceps, and we can make out a triangle here, and the triangle is formed by the medial border of this muscle, which is the sartorius, and the medial border of adductor longus which is down here. So this is the femoral triangle, formed above by the inguinal ligament, laterally by the medial border of the sartorius, and medially by the medial border of the adductor longus. And you will see that traversing this triangle, we have the femoral nerve laterally, the femoral artery, the femoral vein, and some important lymphatics. I want to remind you of a very important superficial vein that passes up the leg. It is the great saphenous vein. This passes behind the medial condyle of the femur and passes up over the front of the thigh to enter the femoral vein one and a half inches below and lateral to the pubic tubercle. So again, we feel the pubic tubercle here. We measure one and a half inches out, below and lateral, and this is the point then where this vein passes up from behind the medial condyle of the leg, and then it is at that point that it passes deeply through the saphenous opening and drains into the femoral vein. Now, if we build up the gluteal region, we should start with the bony pelvis. Now, we have here the posterior superior iliac spine, and the iliac crest. So we'll put in the iliac crest, sweeping backwards and expanding to form the posterior superior iliac spine, and then extending forwards to the anterior superior iliac spine. And then, if we follow the crest, we see that two inches behind the anterior superior iliac spine, we have the tuberosity of the iliac crest. Now, if we follow this down, we come to the anterior-inferior iliac spine, and then onto to the margin of the acetabulum. So we can put in the posterior margin of the acetabulum, like that, and then we can come down here onto the ischium, and we show the ischial tuberosity here, something like that, with its roughening on its posterior surface. And if we come up here again, and show the posterior superior iliac spine, coming down to the posterior inferior iliac spine, roughening there, and then we go into the greater sciatic notch, the greater sciatic notch, and sweep this down to the ischial spine, ischial spine. So we have the greater sciatic notch here, and the ischial spine sweeping it down to the uh, ischial tuberosity, so we have here the lesser sciatic notch, and then if we follow this on down, we can sweep round from the ischial tuberosity to the ischial ramus like this, and show the margin of the acetabulum like that, and so we sweep up to the inferior ramus of the pubis. Now, with that amount in position, we can now turn to the sacrum and we can put in a part of the sacrum. Here is the lateral mass of the sacrum articulating with the ilium here at the sacroiliac joint, and we can show here the inferior margin of the lateral part of the sacrum, and we can show here the posterior sacral foramina on the posterior surface, and then in the midline we mustn't forget the fusion of of the spines of the sacrum to form the median sacral crest, and here are the articular processes for articulation with the lump, fifth lumbar vertebrae. And we can just indicate the upper margin of the body of the sacrum and hence indicate the posterior sacral foramina on the other side and bring down the margin something like this. And here we have the articulation of the four pieces of the coccyx. Usually one, two, three, four. Usually the Lur3 are fused with one another. And so then, we have the ilium sweeping down here and articulating with the ischium in this acetabulum and here we have the ischial ramus now on the outer surface the ilium this is somewhat concave here and more convex up in the front and we can see a distinct line here called the posterior gluteal line and another line sweeping up here called the middle gluteal line, and a third line in that direction known as the inferior gluteal line. Now if we turn to the uh, femur, we can show its articulation here with the acetabulum at the hip joint. So we put in a part of the femoral head articulating with the acetabulum, and here we have the neck of the femur coming down here, and this is sweeping up here to form the upper part of the greater trochanter, and here is the intertrochanteric crest sweeping down onto the lesser trochanter, and here's the quadrate tubercle, and here's the neck, the lower part of the neck of the femur, joining up with the shaft of the femur, and so the shaft of the femur comes down, down in that sort of manner. So that here is the neck of the femur, and this is the intertrochanteric crest, extending from the greater trochanter down to the lesser trochanter. And here is the hemispherical head of the femur articulating with the acetabulum of the hip bone. Now, if we turn to putting in some ligaments, we can see how we have Filling in the obturator foramen in front, we have the obturator membrane, and extending from the side of the sacrum to the spine of the ischium, we have the sacrospinous ligament. This is attached to the posterior inferior iliac spine, the lower part of the sacrum, and the upper part of the coccyx. And if it extends across in that manner, to the spine of the ischium. So this is the sacrospinous ligament. It's an important ligament in preventing the lower part of the, coc- uh, the sacrum and coccyx from tipping backwards when uh, the weight of the body trunk is applied to the upper part of the sacrum. So here is the sacrospinous ligament. Now if we put over this the important sacrotuberous ligament, We see that is also attached to the lower part of the lateral mass of the sacrum and the upper part of the coccyx, and it extends downwards and laterally to be attached to the ischial tuberosity. And there it extends forwards onto the ischial ramus. So that this is a ligament extending from the lateral part of the sacrum down to the ischial tuberosity. And you can see that it lies on the posterior aspect of this sacrospinous ligament. So that I'll raise now the structures that lie deep to this sacrotuberous ligament. And here it is coming down to the sacro-tuberous ligament extending down to the ischial tuberosity. And the first thing we immediately notice is that we've now converted the greater sciatic notch, this structure here into a foramen bounded by the sacro-tuberous and sacrospinous spinous ligaments and is known as the greater sciatic foramen. And we see that the greater sciatic foramen is now separated from this lesser sciatic notch by the spine of the ischium and the lesser sciatic notch itself has been converted into a foramen by the presence of these two ligaments. Now if we look laterally we can see that the joint the hip joint is surrounded by a fibrous capsule and the fibrous capsule extends over the head of the femur onto the neck and then stretches across the root of the neck and back onto the acetabulum. So now we have we can erase the structures that lie deep to this the capsule of the hip joint. And so we have the fibers of the collagen bundles of the of the hip joint, extending from the margin of the acetabulum down to and enclosing the head and the greater part of the neck of the femur. Now, to complete this picture, we should put in the ligaments that are seen on the back of the hip joint. We can see here, for example, extending from the ischium over to the femur, the ischiofemoral ligament. This is a spiral ligament, whose fibres extend from the back of the ischium, forwards, and are eventually attached to the neck of the femur at the root of the great, great vicanter. And we can see coming down from the anterior inferior iliac spine, passing downwards and forwards, the posterior margin of the important iliofemoral ligament. So then here is the back of the hip joint. We can see the capsule and we can see the two ligaments the ischial femoral ligament, extending from the back of the ischium to the root of the femoral neck, and the posterior margin of the iliofemoral ligament extending down from the anterior inferior ilex spine down in front to the intertrochanteric line. I must emphasize that the greater sciatic foramen leads into the pelvis and the lesser sciatic foramen down here leads into the perineum. Well now having put the ligaments both of the pelvis and of the hip joint in position I'd like to build up the muscles of the gluteal region. First of all, putting in a muscle called the tensor fascia lata. Now the tensor fascia lata arises from the outer surface of the iliac crest between the tubercle of the iliac crest and the anterior superior iliac spine. And it passes downwards and forwards and is inserted into the iliotibial tract. Now the iliotibial tract is a thickening of the deep fascia of the thigh which extends down on the lateral surface of the thigh from this region down to the lateral condyle of the tibia. And as this muscle runs downwards and downwards, it is enclosed within the uh, iliotibial tract. So that when it contracts, it'll pull on the iliotibial tract and tend to extend the knee joint. Now the next muscle I want to put in is really the key muscle of this region. It is the piriformis muscle. And the piriformis arises inside the pelvis from the front of the second, third, and fourth pieces of the sacrum. And it emerges from the greater sciatic foramen and passes laterally to be inserted into the greater trochanter. So here we see the piriformis muscle emerging from the pelvis passing out through the greater sciatic foramen and passing behind the hip joint to be inserted into the greater trochanter. Notice by passing behind the hip joint it will have a lateral rotator action on the hip when it contracts. So this is the piriformis muscle having arisen from the front of the sacrum, second, third, and fourth piece of the sacrum and passing laterally in this fashion to be inserted into the greater trochanter. Now, its it's nerve supply is from branches of the sacral plexus inside the pelvis. Now, if we consider the muscles that lie above the piriformis, we must put in, first of all, the gluteus minimus muscle. Now, the gluteus minimus muscle arises from the outer surface of the uh, ilium between the middle and inferior gluteal lines. In other words, it's arising from this region here and passing downwards and forwards to be inserted into the front of the great drachycanter of the femur. So, we lose sight now of the iliofemoral ligament and the lower part of the outer surface of the ilium. And we can see that the fibers are converging on this tendon which is going to pass to the front of the great decanter. Now from the position and direction of these fibers we can see that this muscle is going to have the effect, when it contracts, contracting of abducting the hip joint. Or more importantly, it tilts the pelvis during the process of walking. And it will, in this respect, aid the gluteus medius muscle. So the gluteus minimus rises from the outer surface of the ilium between the the middle and inferior gluteal lines and passes downwards and forwards to be inserted into the front of the greater decanter. Now, the muscle above that is the gluteus medius muscle. This arises between the middle gluteal line here, the iliac crest above, and the posterior gluteal line behind. In other words, we can put it in here, in this position, and we'll cut it off here and show the cut edge in this manner. And the fibres are going to pass downwards and laterally, as I'm indicating, and the muscle is going to be inserted into the outer surface or lateral surface of the greater decanter. So we'll erase the structures that it covers. And you can see from the direction of these fibres coming from this region over the gluteus minimus to be inserted into the lateral surface of the great trochanter, these fibers, when they contract, are quite clearly going to assist the gluteus minimus in abducting the hip joint, or more importantly, will cause the pelvis to be tipped if this leg is kept on the ground, and therefore it will tilt the pelvis during the process of walking. And I'll just indicate the cut upper margin of the gluteus medius, and show the continuation of the fibres coming down to be inserted into the outer surface, the greater trochanter of the femur. This is the cut upper margin, which of course is continuous here. We've cut out the intermediate area. Now, what is the nerve supply to these structures? Well, coming through the upper part of the greater sciatic foramen, above the piriformis muscle, we have the superior gluteal nerve a branch of the sacral plexus. It passes across the gluteus minimus in this fashion and it supplies a twig to the overlying gluteus medius. It supplies the gluteus minimus and it ends by supplying the tensor fasciae latae. This nerve is accompanied by an artery, a branch of the internal iliac artery, known as the superior gluteal artery. This also emerges uh, through the upper part of the greater sciatic foramen. It divides very quickly into a number of branches which run between the gluteus medius and gluteus minimus and end uh, supplying the muscles including the tensor fasciae latae. The superior gluteal artery a branch of the internal iliac artery. Now, when we come down to the lower part of the gluteal region, below the piriformis, we must realize that nerves can emerge from beneath the piriformis and pass down to this region. And the first nerve that I want to put in is a little branch from the sacral plexus known as the nerve to the quadratus femoris. This is passing down over the root of the ischial spine and is going to eventually innervate the quadratus femoris. Now where is the quadratus femoris? The quadratus femoris arises from the outer surface of the ischial tuberosity and it passes laterally to be inserted into the quadrate tubercle on the crest, the intertrochanteric crest on the back of the femur in that manner. And so we can put in its boundaries, and we can erase the structures that lie anterior to it, namely the lower part of the trochanteric crest and the lesser trochanter, and we can show the quadratus lumborum passing across in that manner. Now clearly, from the position of the fibers and the direction of the fibers, that muscle is going to result in lateral rotation of the hip joint, and this little nerve is coming down and is going to supply it. Now we're at the stage, then, where we can put in a tendon, which is emerging from inside the pelvis and passing across to be inserted into the greater trochanter. This tendon is that of the obturator internus. It comes out of the pelvis, it winds round the margin of the lesser sciatic foramen, and it crosses over this nerve to quadratus femoris and extends across the back of the joint to be inserted into the greater trochanter, underneath the gluteus medius. And it is clear from the position and direction of that tendon that when it contracts it will pull the femur round and laterally and therefore be a lateral rotator of the hip joint. Now coming into this tendon are two muscles. There's one from below here known as the superior and and, and the superior gemellus and the inferior gemellus. Here is the inferior gemellus arising from the ischial tuberosity and passing upwards to be inserted into the tendon. The inferior gemellus muscle arising from the ischial tuberosity and joining the tendon of the obturator internus. And the other nerve, uh, other muscle here, is the superior gemellus arising from the spine of the ischium and also passing laterally to be inserted into the tendon of the obturator internus. So here we have two little muscles which arise from the bone of the pelvis, outside the pelvis, and uh, the fibers converge to be inserted into that obturator internus tendon. We've now put in the superior gemellus inserting into the tendon of the obturator internus, the obturator internus tendon, and the inferior gemellus; These three muscles will have the effect of externally rotating, or laterally rotating, the hip joint by virtue of their position behind the joint. Previously, we put in the nerve to the quadratus femoris. You see how it passes anterior to the superior gemellus, the obturator internus. It also passes anterior to the inferior gemellus, and finally reaches the quadratus femoris. As it passes through this region here, it also innervates the gemellus muscle. Now, what innervates the gemellus muscle? Well, we have a nerve emerging out of the pelvis through the lower part of the greater sciatic foramen, here, passing over the spine of the ischium and going into the perineum. And this is the nerve to the obturator internus. It supplies the obturator internus and as it's passing the gemellus it innervates that muscle also. Now, before we put any more structures in in this region, I think it is well to fill in an area down below. We have here the ischial tuberosity. We have here the back of the shaft of the femur. We must accentuate this roughening here, which is the uh, gluteal tuberosity, becoming continuous below with the linear aspera, which is a ridge on the back of the shaft of the femur. Now arising from this area over here, which is the ramus of the ischium and the ramus of the pubis, we have coming across the adductor longus muscle. And as the fibers are coming across, the adductor magnus muscle rather, as the fibers come across, they are inserted into this linea aspera. So this is the adductor part of adductor magnus. Now arising from the ischial tuberosity, we have the hamstring part of adductor magnus. And so we have the two parts of this muscle passing down in the adductor region of the thigh. The most posterior fibers that we can see here being the hamstring part of adductor magnus, and the fibers that we can see coming across here and crossing by in front being the adductor part of adductor magnus. Now we should also put in here, coming down, the first of all the tendon of origin of the biceps femoris, coming off the ischial tuberosity and giving rise to the muscle belly. Here is the biceps femoris muscle then extending down on the back of the thigh and crossing over the posterior surface of the adductor magnus in that sort of manner. Well now, emerging from the lower part of the greater sciatic foramen is probably the most important nerve in this region. It is the sciatic nerve. Now, this has a surface marking as it's coming out of the great sciatic foramen midway between the anterior, the posterior superior alex spine and the ischial tuberosity. So it is coming out of that foramen anterior there to the piriformis. And it passes downwards and laterally and is a very large nerve and when it passes in the region here it is lying approximately midway between the tuberosity and the greater canter. And it passes downwards across these structures in the fashion which I've shown, coming down over the back of the hip joint, back of the spine of the ischium, back of the superior gamelus, obturator internus, inferior gemellus, quadratus femoris, and on the posterior surface here of the adductor magnus. And as it extends down, it's going to disappear under the biceps femoris, the sciatic nerve. And if we raise the structures that lie anterior to it, first of all, the adductor magnus here, the quadratus femoris, the inferior gemellus, the obturator internus tendon, the superior gemellus, we can then put in the solid nerve, the sciatic nerve, having arisen from the anterior primary rami of L4-5, S1, 2, and 3. The anterior primary rami of L4-5, S1, 2, and 3. Now, occasionally, this nerve emerges from the pelvis in two parts, the the common perineal nerve and the tibial nerve. And in this case, if they have arisen inside the pelvis separately, one part may pierce the piriformis, or even may come out above the piriformis. But in this case, we're putting it as a, as a single nerve, coming down, and then, across halfway down the back of the thigh, the two component parts, the common perineal and the tibial nerve, separate from one another. Now, does the sciatic nerve give any, any branches in this region? Yes, it gives off the nerve supply to the hamstring muscles, which pass across and supply the long head of the biceps, semitendinosus and semimembranosus and across the hamstring part of adductor magnus. Now, have we anything else coming with the sciatic nerve? Well, we have the posterior femoral cutaneous nerve. And this is coming down on the posterior surface of the sciatic nerve in this manner. And as it passes on down the back of the thigh, It lies on the posterior surface of the sciatic nerve and then passes superficial to the biceps, finally piercing the deep fascia over the popliteal space, the back of the lower part of the thigh. It supplies the skin of the back of the thigh and sends a branch over into the perineum to supply the back of the labia majora and the scrotum. The posterior then femoral cutaneous nerve lying posterior to the sciatic nerve. Now, what other nerves and arteries do we have in this region? Well, we have quite a sizable nerve that comes out through the lower part of the greater sciatic foramen, winding around the lower margin of the piriformis, and is going to supply the gluteus maximus muscle, which we'll put in in a moment. The inferior gluteal nerve. The inferior gluteal nerve emerging from the lower part of the greater sciatic foramen. Accompanying that nerve, we have the inferior gluteal artery. And this artery is a branch of the internal iliac. It supplies branches to the sciatic nerve, supplies branches to the overlying gluteus maximus, and, of course, it will anastomose with the superior gluteal artery and will anastomose with the posterior perforating branches of the perineal artery down the back of the thigh. Have we any other nerves here? Well, we have the pudendal nerve, which comes out of the pelvis, crosses the spine of the ischium, there, running with the nerve to the obturator internus, and passing into the perineum through the uh, lesser sciatic foramen, and then passing forwards in the uh, perineum below the levator ani. So here is the the pudendal nerve coming out through the lower part of the greater sciatic foramen, crossing the root of the spine of the ischium, following the nerve to the obturator internus, goes into the perineum through the lesser sciatic foramen, close to the ischial tuberosity, and then passes forward to supply the perineum. Are there any arteries running with it? Yes, we have the internal pudendal artery, a branch of the internal iliac artery which is accompanying that nerve. So what have we got in this little region here? we have the pudendal nerve, the internal pudendal artery, the nerve to the obturator internus, the inferior gluteal artery, the inferior gluteal nerve, the nerve to the quadratus femoris, the largest nerve in the body, the sciatic nerve, and the posterior femoral cutaneous nerve. If we now complete the gluteus medius, we can then put in the gluteus maximus. Now the gluteus medius, as we have seen, is coming down here, crossing and bearing the uh, gluteus minimus. So here's the lower margin of the gluteus uh, medius. And so we can now erase the gluteus minimus and the superior gluteal vessels and nerve, bearing in mind that superior gluteal nerve supplies the gluteus minimus, supplies the gluteus medius, and ends by supplying the tensor fasciae latae. So here's the gluteus medius coming down from the iliac crest and is inserted into the outer surface of the greater trochanter. And it's a strong abductor of the hip joint. Now where does the gluteus maximus arise from? The gluteus maximus arises from the posterior superior iliac spine arises from the roughened area behind the glute- posterior gluteal line and arises from the posterior surface of the sacrotuberous tuberous ligament, the lower part of the lateral mass of the sacrum, and the upper part of the coccyx. In other words, it's a massive muscle arising from the whole of this area here. This massive muscle, the gluteus maximus, arises from the whole of this area here and passes downwards and laterally the greater number of the fibers passing into the iliotibial tract. Now, as I explained previously, the iliotibial tract is a thickening of the deep fascia of the thigh, which extends downwards from the region of the tuberosity of the iliac crest, and is enclosed within it the tensor fascia latae, and it passes down, is inserted into the lateral condyle of the tibia. Now, the greater number of these fibers of the gluteus maximus pass down to be inserted into this iliotibial tract. About a quarter of the fibers are inserted into this gluteal tuberosity on the back of the upper part of the shaft of the femur. So if we now outline this muscle, we see that the layer fibers are coming down something like this, covering the ischial tuberosity, you notice, being separated from the ischial tuberosity, by a bursa, and passing down in this direction, here, into the iliotibial tract. So that the whole of this area now is covered by the gluteus maximus. And before we erase the structures, I'd like to just point out the close relationship of this important sciatic nerve to the deep surface of the gluteus maximus. It is not a wonder, therefore, that when an intramuscular injection is given in the wrong position and passes through the gluteus maximus, it, it will damage the sciatic nerve. All intramuscular injections in this region should be given in the upper lateral quadrant of the buttock, that is, to the upper lateral part of the gluteus maximus, or even in the gluteus medius. So let us erase, then, the gluteus medius that's underneath here, the fibers of the gluteus maximus, raise the part of the sacrotuberous ligament from which this muscle is arising and erase the sciatic nerve and the gemelli and the obturator internus and the quadratus femoris and so we end up with this muscle the gluteus maximus where from the direction of its fibers you can see that they're going to be an extensor of the hip and a lateral rotator of the hip. And the muscle receives its nerve supply from that underlying nerve, the inferior gluteal nerve, which had emerged from the lower part of the uh, greater sciatic foramen. Well now, if we indicate the outline of the thigh, we can see that the trunk comes down here, and we come over the great trochanter and down the thigh in that way and we indicate the furrow in the middle line here coming down over the spines of the lumbar vertebrae and over the spines, few spines of the sacrum and then if we indicate here the position of the anus lying in the natal cleft we can therefore put now the fold of the buttock and we can see how the fold of the buttock comes around something like this and does not coincide with the lower margin of the gluteus maximus. And so we can put in the thigh in that way and indicate the skin of the thigh coming down here and the skin of the buttock uh, lying in this region covering the gluteus maximus. I would add that the gluteus maximus is embedded in the fascia lata. If the fascia lata comes up the thigh, it splits to enclose the gluteus maximus. And so the fascia lata comes up here and is attached to the iliac crest and covers over the upper part of the gluteus medius and is attached to the iliac crest. Now what is the sensory nerve supply to the skin of the buttock? Well we have coming down in this region the ileal hypogastric nerve which gives off a gluteal branch to supply that region and we also have, have, also have the subcostal nerve which gives off a branch to supply the upper lateral quadrant of the buttock. The upper medial quadrant of the buttock is supplied by the posterior primary rami of the upper three lumbar nerves and the posterior primary rami of the upper three sacral nerves. The lower lateral part of the buttock is supplied by the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, which suple- su- sends a gluteal branch round onto the back of the buttock. Emerging through the lower, uh, beneath the lower part of the gluteus maximus, we've already shown the posterior femoral cutaneous nerve, and this supplies branches up onto the lower part of the buttock. So it has a profuse sensory nerve supply from the iliohypogastric hypogastric nerve, the subcostal nerve, the upper three lumbar nerves, the upper three sacral nerves, the posterior femoral cutaneous nerve, and the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. Now, to conclude this region, I think we must realize that the skin here has a lymphatic drainage which goes in this region, in this direction. The lymphatics pass round to downwards and laterally and round to the superficial inguinal nodes, and the lower part here will pass round on the medial side of the thigh to the superficial inguinal nodes. So uh, an abscess in this region of the skin would drain, the infection would drain down to the superficial inguinal nodes. Notice that here is the the medial edge of the buttock, which is referred to as the natal cleft. So that as you ran your finger down in the natal cleft, you would feel the posterior spines of the sacrum, the sacral hiatus, and the coccyx, and then just beyond the tip of the coccyx is the anal canal, and in the opening of the anal canal is the anus. So in this region here is the perineum.